When life gives you lemonade, put your chemistry knowledge to good use and find a way to reverse engineer the genetic code for lemons, then create your own lemonade to sell at a profit. In this episode of Lessons from Life on the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast, I'm going to tell you a story of what I call my luckiest break. How a literal broken leg helped me get a life-changing promotion at work. This is A Lucky Break. Hello, this is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad Podcast. I knew something was wrong as soon as I landed. Two seconds before, I was contesting a rebound. But now, all of a sudden, here I am on my hands and knees, letting out a scream that literally went through the whole stadium. And I didn't get the rebound either. Just my luck. My right foot was ruined. I couldn't even look at it, let alone touch it, let alone walk on it. And of course, being the tallest and heaviest guy on court made it a logistics challenge for anyone who wanted to try help me. Eventually, I got over to the bench and saw that my right foot was literally shaped like a pear down at my ankle. The courtside diagnosis from all the amateur doctors on hand was either it was a really bad sprain or it was indeed broken. But the advice from everyone was crystal clear. Don't take your shoes off until you get home. But that led to the next challenge, actually getting home. For the hundreds of social league basketball games I've played over the years, I've driven myself there and back every time, no matter the injury. Broken fingers? I'll be fine driving home, thanks. Ouch, that hurts. Bleeding from the mouth? I'll be fine driving home, thanks. Ouch. Bruising of the sternocostal ligaments, meaning your ribs can't expand to facilitate the expansion of your lungs when you breathe? I'm fine, thanks. Ouch. But this time around, driving myself home in my six-speed manual transmission car was a no-go, which meant an awkward phone call to the wife. Oh, did I mention, my wife and I had had a fiery argument just before I left for the game. And did I also mention, this all took place on Valentine's Day. So here I was, unable to walk, after an argument with my wife, on supposedly the most romantic day of the year. Hi honey. You're going to need to come pick me up, from a place you've never been to before. And not only do you need to come, you need to bring someone else to drive my car home. Both me and my car eventually made it home, where I took my shoes off. What initially looked like a pear, now became the bulge of a snake when it swallows an egg. But the question is, what do I actually do? It was nine-something at night. No doctor's clinics are open and my wife was very reluctant to take me to the nearby public hospital because she didn't know if they they were going to charge money or not. It's pleasing to know that even when I'm in severe pain and I can't walk, 
My wife has an eye on the bank balance. Love you, honey. So her cost-effective treatment was to apply traditional Chinese ointment and see what happened. And no surprise when half an hour later, it still hurt to move. After persuading my wife that healthcare in Australia is not like that in the US, I went to the hospital. And while they were able to take x-rays, there was no one there to actually diagnose them. So I had to wait a couple of days, yes, a couple of days, to see my doctor to get the official decision. But in the meantime, they gave me a three-quarter cast and a prescription for some pretty good pain medication. But now for the next painful hurdle, work. At the time, I was a team leader of a tight-knit group that didn't have much redundancy. We could handle two absences at most, and then things started getting hairy. And this particular week, one person was already off on holidays, and another person had called in sick with the flu the day before. So I got on the phone to my boss. Um, hi, Alex, mate. Um, I don't think I'll be able to work tomorrow. Let's see how I am in the morning, but yeah, right now, my leg's currently in plaster, and I can't put any weight on it. So if you want me to walk around client sites, um, you're going to have to say no to that. Uh, I'll call you in the morning. Thanks, buddy. Bye. The shearing pain I woke up in the next morning put pay to any hopes of resuming my normal job, much to Alex's delight. But as a concession, later on in the week, I agreed to help out at a client in the city whose procedures I knew very well, and he promised me no walking. And this is when I realized two things. One, it's not so much how much pain you're in that influences how people treat you, it's how much you look like you're in pain. When I was visibly infirm, crutches, plaster casts, the whole nine yards, people went out of their way to help me. I'd go to a fast food outlet, people would move out of the way, set aside a table for me, bring the food out, clean the table up, all that kind of stuff. Even when I wasn't in pain, I enjoyed the kindness and generosity of my fellow Melbournians. But after the cast came off and I was back on my own two feet, but going through months and months of painful physiotherapy to learn how to actually walk again, no one cared. And the second thing I learned was that Walking any distance greater than 10 metres on crutches is a really bad idea. Agreeing to help my supervisor in the city was when I learnt the hard way that even after a few steps, the crutches start bruising your armpits and your wrists start to feel the strain of taking your weight. Sure, it was only 400 metres from the train station to the client, but at the time, it felt like 5am boot camp. After seeing the client, I took a taxi back to the train station because no way I'm hobbling that distance back, then took a bus from the train station to my doctor's to get the news. Fracture of the lower fibula, which is the lesser bone of the two in the leg, and an avulsion fracture of the medial malleolus, which is the major point that sits on the inside of your ankle. So it's confirmed. I'm out for six weeks, and then I'll need months of physio to get back to normal and to avoid getting arthritis. I've never had a six-week holiday from work before. What am I going to do with all this free time? Sure, there are DVDs to be watched, songs to be downloaded on Napster, and yes, I'm old enough to know what Napster is, and there are plenty of Asian instant noodles to eat. However, for the first week or so, 
pain management was the order of the day. But once the pain subsided enough for me to clear my head, I did what any normal person would do, volunteer to go back to work. And I perchance to think that it was that decision that helped change my life. I decided to go back to work for two reasons. One, I wasn't keen on using up my sick leave. In Australia, anyone employed on a part or full-time contract basis is granted up to 10 days per year of what's called sick leave, which is basically a way of still getting paid when you're not at work if you're injured, sick, or looking after close relatives. And I was actually quite fortunate to have signed a contract that allowed my sick leave to accrue year on year. So I figured that if I'm doing some form of paid work, I'm not using it up, and I can keep it for an extended absence. And it turns out that an actual extended absence was just around the corner, which is something I'll cover in a future episode. And the second reason, I wanted to do more career-wise. While I wasn't in an entry-level position, the management structure of the division I was working for was quite flat. So the opportunity for career advancement in my current role wasn't great. Sure, I could keep doing the same thing for year upon year upon year, or I could try to learn new things, meet new people, open up new opportunities. And that's what I did. So I called up the office and I said, Hey Mary, Damien here. Um, I can't do my current role because I'm in a cast and I'm on crutches with a broken leg, but I also don't want to sit around at home and be miserable. Is there anything in head office I can do? And it turns out that there were a few years of literal paperwork that needed to be sorted and filed. Brilliant. But the next question, how do I, with my broken leg and crutches, get to head office to do that work? I found a solution. So, I found a way to drive my manual transmission car, and here's a clue, having super long feet really helps. And so, I would drive the 20 kilometers to my head office, find a way to get up the stairs, and report for duty. The work assigned to me wasn't a hard slog by any stretch of the imagination, so I was having a blast. Not only did this count as work, which meant I wasn't using my sick leave, but I got to know all the important people in the company. Payroll, HR, managing director, owner, all, all those people. But there was one person whose friendship paved the way for the rest of my life, Trevor. Trevor was a new signing to the company, and he was specifically tasked with helping our company provide a new technical service to our key client. And what he was doing on, on the desk next to mine really intrigued me. He was whipping the screwdrivers out, pulling machines apart, opening manuals, all that cool tinkering stuff that I was fascinated by. It was certainly more intellectually stimulating than the paper-pushing job I was previously doing. Every second day or so when I was in the office, Trevor would be there as well. We'd chat. We'd find out that we had similar religious beliefs, similar family situation. We lived on the same side of town. And the fact that he was about 15 years older gave me the sort of father-figure relationship that I thrived off of. Over the course of the next few weeks, while I was still in a cast and in the office, I showed enough interest and aptitude in what he was doing that he started to show me the basics of equipment repair. That paperwork filing job I was tasked with 
yeah, I got that done, or at least I think I did. Eventually, it came time to cut the plaster off. The weekly x-rays showed that my bones were stitching together and my ankle was intact. So my GP got his circular saw out and hacked away. Now, if you've never had to be fitted with a plaster cast, you'll never know the shock of seeing a body part after it hasn't been washed for six weeks. Seriously, you can't wash anything in a cast because if the plaster gets wet, you risk re-breaking the limb that the cast was protecting. Let me tell you, when that thing gets itchy from all the dead skin that isn't being washed away, pencils and rulers become your best friend, and I'll let you create the mental image on that one. Having a cast on your leg also becomes an all-pervasive thing in your life. You need to wear a plastic sleeve to shower. Getting your pants on and off becomes a challenge. And there's a couple of times I bruised my wife's leg because I accidentally hit hers with my cast. But it even gets to the point that it affects your dreams and memories. I sat there one day and tried to remember how the accident happened in the first place, and I stumped myself because I could not work out how, or why, I played basketball in a leg cast. But aside from having people bring your fast food out, the only other benefit of having a broken leg is that you only only need to wash half as many socks. But no more cast means no more days in the office, and back to my regular job. I was disappointed, but I was also pleased with myself. I had forged new relationships, proved my willingness to help out and to be flexible, and got to know more about the company I was working for. Even if things weren't moving right now, I'd laid the groundwork. One day, About a year after all this happened, I was at work, and most likely in some state of sleep deprivation, as my infant daughter decided making daddy change poopy nappies during the night was a fun game to play. And suddenly my phone rang. It was the head office. I didn't think anything was up, because head office calls me every now and then to either clarify something, tell me one of my subordinates has upset a customer, or something. But this time, it was different. It was the owner of the company on the line, calling to tell me that Trevor is resigning, to tell me that Trevor will need to be replaced, to tell me that Trevor has put my name forward as that replacement, and to ask me if I would like to take up that opportunity. Is the Pope Catholic? Do casts itch after six weeks? Do babies poop at inconvenient times? Yes! My joy was dampened by the news that nothing immediate will happen. I'll still need to work in my current position for the time being, for my boss who was tied on resources. But my joy was somewhat undampened when the owner said the words, company car. A couple of months passed and I soon commenced my enrolment in the School of Deep End Learning, beginning beginning a career that would come to give me invaluable skills and take me places. In the space of about five years, through hard work, Willingness to accept the challenge and being flexible and available, I attained a title that takes usually 10 years to earn in most other companies, and this gave me a platform to make decisions that has culminated in me running my own business to this day. 
Thinking back on this episode in my life, I don't know for sure if I would have ever gotten that phone call from the owner if I hadn't made myself known to Trevor. Or maybe if I did get that phone call, it instead might have been a job interview where I was competing against other more experienced people instead of a job offer. And sure, some people in my work already heard about me as a somewhat capable person, but there's a difference between being spoken of as a capable person and having people know you're a capable person and you have the attitude to go forward. And without that time in the office, making that leap would have been so much harder. So the lesson for today is, is that when you get a lucky break, make the most of it. You'll never know where it can take you. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe and rate it on whatever platform you find it on and share it on your social media. Continue the discussion on the discussion post as well as check out more thought-provoking content over at www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. If you wish to be a guest, would like me as a guest on your podcast or platform, or even to be a sponsor, head over to the Twitter account for this podcast at TFADpod. But the best way to support this podcast is to head over to the iTunes bookstore or Google Play and purchase your copy of The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, a response to creationism and why humanism is morally superior to the Bible. You'll be engaged by it. Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.